Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady, and I am here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. And we are going to be talking with Andrew Scudden today from Smooth Logics about Counterpart, which is a very fascinating piece of software for engineer-to-order manufacturers. So, Lou, we're going to learn a bit about engineer-to-order. I was talking with Andrew just before the show and said I was excited to learn about that. I'm not quite sure I fully understand engineer-to-order. Well, we're going to we're going to let Andrew uh, tell us all about it. So, uh, Andrew, you've got the floor. Great. Tell Thanks for about, the. Yeah, tell us about Counterpart with Smooth Logistics. Yeah, so Smooth Logics was created to solve an industry need that we saw that wasn't really being addressed. The brief history of ERP systems is predominantly around discrete or um, pre-engineered systems. So think of it more as aerospace or automotive where somebody designs an airplane and then they want to build a hundred or a thousand of them or automotive is certainly the master of mass manufacturing with pre-engineered systems and configurations. And that's largely where the ERP system market grew out of and grew up over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that ERPs have been a thing. And more recently, there's been a huge resurgence in custom automation or custom engineer to order or solution type manufacturing. So specifically for the automotive industry, being from the, being from the state of Michigan, we are born and bred automotive, and that's where I spent a good part of my career. But Ford Motor Company, for an example, would design a new automobile, whether it's a Mustang or a truck or something. And Ford Motor Company would need equipment that would automatically put together various parts and pieces of the automobile all the way up to the production lines run inside the Ford factories. And all of that equipment is pretty much engineered to order. There is really no purchased equipment that you can buy that will put together a door handle or an engine block or a headliner or a instrument cluster that has never before been designed or seen. So in my, in my tenure in automotive, we would get a brand new door handle or a brand new um, instrument cluster or something that the industry has never seen before because Ford just designed it yesterday and we would, or just released the design to us yesterday and we'd be told we need to build one of these every five seconds or every 10 seconds or every 30 seconds. And there's 30 components that go into it. So your job is to design an automation machine. And I'm, my, my world is automation, but it's really any kind of equipment. But your job is to design something that's going to accomplish these tasks and assemble or inspect or check or build this type of part or consumable to the consumer market. And when you're done with that project, it gets shipped and it gets delivered to Ford Motor Company, one of the tier suppliers, and then you go on to your next project. So I've spent you know, a decade as a mechanical engineer designing custom equipment 
that I've never, ever designed before and will never, ever design again, all to put together or check or manufacture or do something to a custom environment um, provided by Ford or Herman Miller or whoever it might be. Interesting. I, I didn't realize all that went on behind the scenes um, just to make a part. Yeah, so I, I mean, I can tell you more specifically, one of the projects that I was on was, uh, and this was a decade ago, so my numbers will be a little bit fuzzy, but I think it was the 2008 or 2010 model year, Ford introduced a new door handle. And in the automotive world, it's all pre-engineered and pre-configured. And it's just some of the options if you go to an automobile dealer lot. And we're, again, we're just talking about the door handle, right? But some of the options right. are, do you, have a, do you have a keyhole? So the front door handles have keyholes. The back door handles do not. Do you have a keypad, right? You lock your keys in your car. You can just punch in the five-digit code. Some of the door handles have a keypad in the front, but it's an option. So not all front door handles have a keypad, but the rear door panels or the rear door handles never have a keypad. So just in the binary matrices of options at that point, and that's you know, the physical change of the, of the parts, some have a hole, some have a pad, or a hole for a pad, hole for a key. Some have both, some have none. And then you have left and right hand. And that well, used, to be easy, used to be easy to get into a car. <laughs> <laughs> Times have certainly changed. And then you have left and right hand, right? So driver side, passenger side. And then you have different colors. Ford has maybe 15 different colors. This particular project was challenging because Ford would allow you to mix and match the colors of the, of the grip, the actual plastic that you grab with your hand, versus the bezel, the actual plastic that's attached to the door. So if you have 15 different colors, you could have 15 different color combinations on the bezel and a different 15 or, or same but mix and matched 15 on the, hand, on the grip, the handle itself. And then they had plain plastic, plain textured plastic, chrome-plated plastic, two-piece grip panels. Um, they had, you know, I mean, the, the, the binary matrices of the complexity of just a Ford F-150 door handle, and I think in technicality the door handle is also used on the Expeditions and maybe the Explorers or whatever the, the cross-vehicle uh, pollination there was. But it was somewhere in the 100,000. You could have a hundred and something thousand specifically unique combinations. And the production of the Ford F-150, which is a really good case study because I think it's one of the most widely mass-produced vehicles in, in North America, if not the world. Um, I think you're right. But they were, they were, they, our requirement was our equipment from Ford had to build a, or had to assemble a door handle. I think it was every five or five and a quarter seconds. So if those were four-door trucks, Ford's selling a truck roughly every 20 seconds. If they're two-door trucks, it's every 10 seconds. And then there's not 100% uptime. I think it was 23 hours a day, um, 360 days a year is what, the is what the machine was designed to run at for maintenance intervals and everything else. And so it's just a what mind... Happened, what happened to the other five days? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was maintenance intervals or uh, Christmas or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so well, how is engineer to order different, Andrew, or is that what you're speaking about now? Yeah, that, that's what I'm speaking about. And so the company that I worked at, 
you know, we we were like tier three or something. So Ford Motor Company went to somebody and somebody went to somebody and it eventually got to the shop that I worked at. And so they bring us these door handle parts, left and right hand, with or without keyhole, keypad, different colors, and say, company, your specialty is engineering to order a solution. Our need right now, and, it, and this was a local automation company or local um, fab, or manufacturing company, right? They say, our need is we need to put together a, a door handle, which I, if I remember right, I think it was like up to 22 or 23 unique parts. So pins and springs and, you know, the, the key lock cylinder itself or the key pad. Um, there's a frame in the back and um, bumpers and cushions and all kinds of really fun, intricate things. It, it's a really amazing how many parts are actually in a, in a door handle itself. But I think it was 20, 23 parts, something in that neighborhood, if my memory serves. And they said, we need you to engineer. So on the mechanical side, I would do the design work. And then you need to manufacture. So we had a machine shop that would make all the componentry so that we can put together one door handle every five seconds. And there's a bunch of other requirements <laughs> as far as lean manufacturing, right? You could put together a red door handle that was driver's side front with a keyhole and then a pink door handle or a yellow door handle or whatever color Ford would allow that didn't have a key pad but had a keyhole and the passenger side front. And then, you know, it was, it, was, it was lean manufacturing. It was mix and match. There was no batch run. Um, so we would just start from scratch, right? You just start drawing a tubular steel frame and drawing fixturing and the top and robots and gantries and slides and bowl feeders with, you know, tinnerman nuts and transfer presses and inspection um, stations. Because not only did we have to assemble it every five seconds, we had to inspect and verify that the assembly was successful, you know, simulate the door handle, make sure it sprung back, make sure it closed, make sure the inertia um, weights were operating correctly. And then before we packaged it into the um, packaging that went right to Ford, that they would then pull the last part we put on the truck is the first part Ford would pull off the truck, and then that would go right onto an F-150 on their production line. Wow. Is that the one that works or doesn't work? Yep, and so um, in the automotive world, there's a term PPAP, which is um, parts per million or acceptable parts of failure per million. And so they would have some spec that says you're allowed to make one bad part per million or half a bad part or five bad parts or whatever it might be. But the great challenge to the ERP industry is traditional ERPs that are designed to make the airplanes and designed to make the cars – they have an army of you know, engineers, manufacturing engineers, and purchasing that work for years and say, this spring we're going to buy from you know, India or Korea or China or Japan or wherever it might be. But we're going to buy this spring. We're going to make contracts. We're going to buy 100,000 of these springs every week. And that's what we're going to put into our ERP system so that when we go to build a Ford truck, that truck is going to need four of these springs because there's four door handles to keep with the an analogy. And these four springs are going to come from this supplier, from this part of the world, and it's going to cost this much. So every time that truck gets built, I know exactly how much that spring costs because I have pre-negotiated the contracts for you know three, five years, whatever the runtime might be, and pre-negotiated quantities. In the custom engineer-to-order world, I draw a part that the universe has never seen before to fit a door handle that Ford Motor Company just released to manufacturing. And that part that I've designed, whether it's a machined block of steel or a piece of sheet metal to hold a sensor, 
is a brand new part number that, you know, with the realm of statistical probability has never existed before in the universe. And now I need to go get that made. I have no idea what it costs. I have no idea where it's going to get made. I don't know if we're going to make it inside our internal machine shop or if it's beyond their abilities or not in, in line with their abilities and we're going to outsource it to the local sheet metal shop or the local machine shop. Um, it, it really changes the paradigm of ERP from we have everything planned out. So when we get demand, which is you know if a dealer orders an F-150 from Ford Motor Company, that creates demand in their system, and then that demand says we would need to build the Ford of this configuration, so we need four springs. If it's a two-door truck, we need two springs. So everything is pre-planned. In the engineer-to-order world, it's totally reactive. There is zero pre-planning, because not only do I not even have a part number to make until it's designed, I don't even know what that design is until it's designed, put into CAD, put into my assembly, and you know, gone through a design review process, and my boss or the customer says, that machine looks good, go ahead and build that machine. Up until that point, I can't do any pre-processing. And as soon as I get the sign-off to go build that machine, I now have uh, my, my CAD package of choice is SolidWorks. So I now have a SolidWorks model with hundreds if not thousands of parts with you know, dozens of assemblies. And it's in perfect pure CAD, right? If you could just you know, make you know, materialize exactly what's on the screen, it would all work in perfect theory. So I've now got this perfect CAD or this perfect bill of material with all of these, all this information built into the system. And what most people in this industry do, which is what Counterpart has set out to solve, but most people in this industry would simply print off, take beautiful electronic intelligent CAD data and print it off into paper prints and then give it to the purchasing manager and say, you need to go buy these, you know, SMC or PhD or pneumatic cylinders from your vendor core. And then take paper prints to the machine shop and say, you need to go make these aluminum or steel parts and coat them or whatever it might be. And then we give assembly prints to the assembly team and say, when the purchase parts show up and when the manufactured parts show up, put this machine together. Here's the paper prints that show you what you need to do. And then, of course, along the way, there's always changes, right, because nothing is ever static. So then I start, as the engineer, I start changing the design while something's <laughs> being made. And then, you know, it becomes really ugly really fast. So that's, that's, that's fiendishly complicated on a, on a multiple magnitude level when you start talking about hundreds of thousands of components with dozens of assemblies with, you know, multiple, multiple nested indented bills of material. Um, it's a it's a really difficult task to keep track of, and Counterpart handles that very well. Counterpart is the intelligent ERP system in the background that says we understand what the SolidWorks CAD data is. We we understand there's 987 parts that we need to build. The parts are of these quantities. They're used in these locations, and we we as Counterpart are going to inform purchasing. Here's the pneumatic cylinders you need to buy. Here's the um, 12 millimeter proxes you need to procure. Here's the servo motors or the indexing tables that you need to go buy. And here's the due dates when you need to buy them. And then it'll communicate to manufacturing and say, manufacturing, here are the parts that you need to manufacture. Here's the um, steel and the aluminum that needs to be machined to follow these prints. And then in CAD, if I ever change the design, make a revision, remove a part, add a part, increase the quantity in a part, decrease the quantity in a part, 
I now have an intelligent ERP system counterpart in the background that says, Andrew, that assembly used to have three 12-millimeter proxies with brackets. It now has four 12-millimeter proxies with brackets. Do you want us, the counterpart ERP system, to order you one more 12-millimeter prox and one more bracket? In addition to that, those brackets are bolted down to the base plate. That base plate has now two more holes in it. Do we want to revise the base plate? We don't need any more or less base plates. We just need the same base plate to have two more holes in it. Do you want to revise that base plate from revision A to revision B and notify manufacturing that they need to put two more holes in it before they're done? And that level of integration, that level of um, intentional um, tracking on a custom engineer-to-order project is invaluable because before that software exists, before we created Counterpart, I would have dozens of Excel spreadsheets keeping track of what is largely referred to as like fourth grade math, right? I change design. It's not hard to add one or add three to quantity seven. I have to find the right Excel spreadsheet, change it from quantity seven to quantity 10 or whatever it might be, and then communicate that change. But it's just a, a, a substantial amount of paperwork with lots of minor details that humans are very, very bad at managing but it's something that computers right. are computers are excellent at doing that type of data crunching. Uh, let me ask you, Andrew, if it weren't for a program such as Counterpart, would we be able to have assembly line production and manufacturing to the, to the degree that we do now without having hundreds of guys sitting there with Excel spreadsheets trying to do all the math on this? Well, Counterpart does not run the production lines at Ford Motor Company. They they Counterpart manages the production, the design or the the building and assembly of the physical equipment that gets run at Ford. So it's it's an okay. interesting, you know, sub-tier Ford Motor Company would typically use an ERP system that everybody's heard of like something like SAP or Oracle or a really big name like that. Counterpart right focus is going to be the smaller companies, right, um, 15 to 250 employees that are working on custom engineer-to-order projects. Some of our customers build um, the steel power poles, like if you go out west or, I mean, kind of anywhere around the United States, you see these power poles that are hundreds of feet in the air that transmit power through the central grid. Um, Every single power pole that's particularly out west where they have mountains and stuff are different heights, different strength requirements. Um, another one of my customers builds custom drones for defense, military, and, and aerospace. So every drone, it's a highly iterative uh, research company. Uh, another one of our customers does uh, a lot of food service, a lot of confectionery arts. So uh, Mars Incorporated come out tomorrow comes up with a new Snickers bar. Well, somebody has to design equipment that's going to build that new Snickers bar, whether it's a different size, different uh, physical composition. Maybe they're using a different kind of chocolate and the melting temperature or the setting temperature, the cooling lines, the enrobers are all going to be different specs. Everything that's manufactured in mass typically is made from some kind of a custom equipment somewhere. Maybe it's a standard equipment, like an injection mold machine is very standard. 
but every single mold that we put into it, all the mold tools are custom. So there's, there's, a, there's a hybrid across the industry. But every time somebody comes up with a new idea, there's an incredible downstream effect of engineers that are designing things that they've never designed before in their life that need to be manufactured to create that now newly created product, whatever that might be. That's wild stuff. I now understand why a car can get to a dealership and have a flaw, <laughs> at least one. <laughs> but not sure. So, no, that's right. So, Andrew, is your yours essentially an on-the-fly ERP system? Yes. Um, I, I would consider our ERP system to be reactionary because we don't know what actions to take until the data is provided, and the data isn't provided because we don't know what it is until it's created by the humans versus, you know, by the, the engineers, the workers, the, the actual people running the system versus a lot of the other big names like the SAPs and the oracles of the world that were really created, you know, 20, 25 years ago with the advent of the computer and the advent of the aviation and automotive industries embracing the computer and embracing systems like that, they are very proactive because you can spend, I mean, Ford Motor Company works for about three years designing and engineering and figuring out the manufacturing of their new product before it's launched to market. So you have three years, give or take, in various capacities of research and planning and negotiations and design iterations. And if we change this spring design, we can use the same spring in three locations of the car instead of three different springs in one location of the car. So we can buy you know, one spring at three times the quantity and it'll save a lot of money. So let's, let's make that engineering design change and then make the car more reliable at less money because now we have to stock less spare parts. There's an incredible amount of effort that goes into the design and manufacturing of automobiles, and the systems used in that environment are very um, proactive in planning that. In counterpart space that we operate in with a custom engineer order, like I said, I can draw brand new parts, and that afternoon that brand new part could be manufactured on a CNC mill out on the shop floor. You, you, you can't plan for that because you don't even know what's being designed. You don't know what the part number is. You don't know what material it's going to be used out of. So it's, it's a very reactionary, an engineer needs this part, and they need it today. How are we going to accomplish that? Well, let's send it to the shop floor. With the advent of 3D printing, a lot of our customers just start 3D printing stuff in the rapid prototype stage. So an engineer says, here's a part I drew. I need it right now. Somebody hits print on their printer, and then within, depending on the size of the part, within 15 minutes to five hours, a part shows up on your desk. Um, but it's reactionary in that you, you simply can't plan for that. No, I can see that you couldn't plan for that. Uh, but I, I hadn't even envisioned the possibility of somebody saying, I need this part in production this afternoon, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and we're sipping coffee together, and that can actually happen. It, it does, and it, and it happens often. Um, I'll give you another really good example. Several of our customers do um, like capital equipment that's run in a large organization uh, for, for multiple years. Uh, food and beverage is one, you know, confectionery arts, Snickers bars if, as, as an example. So if you ship a, a $3 million line to, I don't know who makes Snickers bars, is it Mars Incorporated or something? 
um, to, to the Snickers factory. And they start running Snickers bars, right? They might run uh, $100,000 worth of Snickers bars an hour, whatever the, the production numbers are. They're big numbers. Well, if that machine breaks down for whatever reason, right, part fail, motor failed, um, bad engineering, somebody ran into it with a high-low, I've seen it all. That part breaks, that machine breaks down because of one part. They go back to the OEM. So they go back to the, cust- to the person they bought it from and say, I need this one part or these five parts because my machine broke down. And by the way, every hour I don't run production, it's $100,000. So the, the urgency of getting them that spare part is very, very high. And at $100,000 an hour, um, some of our customers, their equipment does a million dollars an eight-hour shift. So whatever that math is, but, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars an hour. Um, <clears throat> at that point, it's like, you know, th- there, there is no expense that you could spare that wouldn't instantly cost justify. Um, so <laughs> in, in that instance, that part already exists in the system. You just have to call it up and go make it. But maybe I made a hundred of those parts when I originally made the equipment and I outsourced a hundred of those parts to a local machine shop because they make a hundred parts cheaper than I can make a hundred parts. But now this time I need to make the part because I can walk down to my machine shop and I can say, drop whatever you're doing and make this part right now. So perhaps the first time we had that part made, we made a hundred of them and it cost me $10 a part and I paid that to a vendor. And maybe the second time we make the part, instead of making 100, I make one, and I make it internally, and that part costs me, um, you know, 450 dollars because of economy of scale and all that kind of stuff. And then right. um, I have one particular customer where they're large enough as an organization, they actually have company planes and staff pilots for sales trips, service trips, and parts trips. And it's been happened before where a customer broke down. Within four hours, the part that previously didn't exist was created in the machine shop, and then it was flown down to the factory and handed to the maintenance guy, who then put it on the machine, and they're up and running again within, you know, let's say 12 to 24 hours. <laughs> Wild because stuff. You, yeah, you, you, you simply can't stock stuff. every single part in, the, in existence on a machine, right? So you, you try to identify what's going to obviously wear out um, in the automotive world, right? Tires wear off, brakes wear out. So if you go to the auto parts store, you can buy brakes and you can buy tires. You can buy anything you want that's considered a normal wear item. But if you go to the auto parts store, you can't buy a door handle for your car because door handles are considered um, to never need replacement unless, again, someone hits them with a high-low, which is always the unknown variable, um, there's a lot of high-low drivers out there, but so, and, 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 and there's also several other very unique things about counterpart. Uh, most ERP systems are very text-based. So if you've ever seen like a SAP or an Oracle screenshot, it's a bunch of text because that's what they operate on. In counterpart, because we tightly integrate with SolidWorks so well, we actually scalp the images out of SolidWorks. So in counterpart, if you look up a part number and you say, what is this part number? We show you all the same text. We say it's aluminum or it's stainless steel, and we tell you the size, and we tell you the weight. We tell you all the information that's necessary about it. But we also show you an image of what that part looks like from SolidWorks. And it's totally free. Um, it doesn't cost anybody to get the image. But we have images populated throughout our ERP software, and we all know the adage images you know, speak a thousand words. And so 
you can look at a part and say, oh, well, the image on, my, on the screen doesn't match the part I have in my hand. I must have the part number wrong. Or that image on the screen matches what's on my hand. I must have the right thing. So it's a very good verification check that really nobody else has. Another very clever thing about Counterpart is because we are always making something new and unique every time, there's really no opportunity to um, lock down the CAD files. My customers change their CAD, change their design. Um, I talked about failures in the field. That's often a very good um, time when designs get changed, right? An engineer designs something, they think it's good, and it fails within one month. We might make the exact same part again just to get the machine running again because it'll last another month in theory. But then it goes back to engineering. We redesign it. Maybe we use a different material. Maybe we add more bracing. Maybe we have to redesign five different parts to improve the one part that actually broke. And then we send the customer an updated design package and say, install these five parts, and then your machine will be more reliable moving forward. But change is, change is the only constant that our industry has because it's changing from the very beginning and it changes throughout its life. So one of the other very unique things that Counterpart does is we integrate with SolidWorks PDM, which is the data repository that stores all of the SolidWorks data. It's a, it's a SolidWorks tool technology. And so when you cut a purchase order, so again, um, imagine the purchasing department, right? They are purchasing things they've never seen before in their life, purchasing part numbers they've never seen before in their life. So when they go to purchase it and they send that purchase order to a vendor, the vendor doesn't know what it is because they've never seen it before. So you have to send them CAD data. Um, a, a, a purchase order without CAD data won't get you any parts because it's custom, never-before parts. So Counterpart will integrate with SolidWorks PDM, and it will extract the data out of PDM and attach it to the purchase order. So I can cut a 50-line purchase order and say, Sheet Metal Shop, make me all of these sheet metal brackets to hold my sensors and you know, different things on my assembly. Counterpart will, on the purchaser's behalf, extract all of the SolidWorks data from the vault and attach to that purchase order. So when the vendor gets the purchaser for all 50 parts, they also have all the SolidWorks data so that they can successfully make the component correctly and then ship you back the parts. And then, of course, if I change the design and I have a revision B and the revision B is newer, better, cooler, then the next time I cut that same purchase order, I will get the new CAD data that goes along with it. Now, this is similar to the origin of metal in our, our show sponsor, All Metals and Forge Group, when they do forging. And that's a 4140 or a 4142 or a 4330B. or a 4330V. These are all tweaks to the metal to produce a better end result. Fascinating stuff, uh, Andrew. Uh, Lou? Um, so this is the little-known but extremely necessary back-end manufacturing that nobody knows about. Is that Yeah, it, it is a very specific correct? niche. I, I would say so. I would say so. So why don't you give us your uh, URL and website information so our guests, our uh, listeners, can uh, take advantage of our, our guests' capabilities. Absolutely. So our main website is smoothlogics.com, um, just as it sell, sounds, smooth and then logics. And then our main product page specifically for Counterpart is Counterpart, 
uh, as it sounds, dash erp.com. That's terrific. Terrific. Fascinating stuff, uh, Andrew. I appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio with us. And we want to encourage everybody to go to smoothlogics.com. And on that page, you can find your way to counterpart. But this is a a fascinating uh, solution you've come up with. And we appreciate you being on and sharing it with our listeners. Yeah, no problem. Happy to join you and would gladly come back anytime. Anytime you come up with something new, different, and add-on, a a better, cheaper, faster way to do it, give us a holler. Will do. Thank you for your time. Okay, Andrew, thank thank you very much. And we have been speaking with Andrew Scuddy, who is the general manager of Counterpart by Smooth Logics. Smoothlogics.com, you can check out Counterpart and find out how to manage your inventory systems on the fly from parts that have never been seen or made before. As always, we appreciate you listening to all of our shows. If you would like to learn more, please go to jacketmediaco.com. Jacket Media Company is where we have all of our websites and podcasts. Check out the WAM podcast for limited manufacturing, manufacturing talk radio, which you're hearing now. Hazard Girls about Women in Unusual Roles in Industry, Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, Where's Willie with William Miller, and Full Time with Amy Nichols. And as always, thank you for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio, sponsored by All Metals and Forge Group. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.